Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. Our mission is to make government contracting better one contract at a time. In this episode, we try to clear up some common misunderstandings about protests. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin, today we're going to talk about protests. What is a protest? And when should I protest? We are. And today, this is obviously a very popular one. Um, we get lots of questions about it. What's the process? Really, the, the whole idea of when is it a big deal and when is it a small deal and when is it worth the effort? So, right. yeah, we'll go through a lot of that today. Yep. So we're going to cover what is a protest, what acquisition time zone are we talking about, why it's important to understand the rules behind a protest. Of course, we're going to talk about why government should care and why industry should care about this stuff. And then we're going to talk personal opinions about when should I protest and when should I not protest. So I'll start. What is a protest? So in the FAR, it says a protest means a written objection by an interested party to any of the following. So there's really only four things you can protest. Number one, the solicitation or RFP. If you think that the RFP somehow doesn't buy the agency what they're expecting to buy or somehow unfairly favors one of your competitors, you can protest that. You can protest, number two, the cancellation of a solicitation. Number three, you can protest the award or proposed award of a contract. Basically, you get the announcement that someone else won. And lastly, number four, you can protest the termination or cancellation of an award. If your objection... If, if what you're protesting is that the termination or cancellation is based on some improprieties concerning the award of the contract. So we mostly think about protests in terms of the award of the contract or the announcement of an award of a contract to someone other than you. Yes, and those four are the, the, the basic elements. However, let's consider a little fact here. Uh, 33 FAR Part 33103B, as in Bravo specifically says, prior to submission of an agency protest, all parties shall use best efforts to resolve concerns raised by the interested party to the contracting officer level through open and frank discussion. So it's all blah, blah, right? What that means is, dude, try work this out first. At least before, before you, you know, fire up the lawyer machine, at least look at this part of the FAR and say, hey, I, I'm concerned that one of these four things happened. Yeah, so it, call the CEO talk to them and say, we're considering a protest on these grounds and see if you can get some information that will either help make your case and convince the contracting officer that they have a problem, or you get some information that talks you off the ledge. And from a contracting officer perspective, it's good to know that this is there because if somebody, if somebody has a complaint, you, if you can get the resolution before a protest, the amount of effort that's going to kick in once that, once that hourglass is turned over, is huge. So why not try to address it first? It's the whole thing of be on offense. Right. Try and solve this now. Yep. So the other piece of this is the FAR, FAR Part 15, uh, 15507. This is talking about protests, and it says you should handle protests in accordance with Part 33, which we were just talking about. But it also says you should try to use alternative dispute resolution or uh, alternative dispute resolution for both pre-award and post-award protests. So 
the the preferred method to do this is ADR, not going through the whole protest process. Yeah, and I think the funny part about that is that the expectation, the default setting is a protest. And that's how I used to see it as a contracting officer. As soon as you're calling me, oh, you must be wanting to protest. Yep. And, and you've also heard me tell the story of when the guy walked into the debriefing and said, I'm going to protest. He didn't say, I'm going to negotiate via ADR. Or he didn't say, I'm going to pull out 33103 and you're going to talk to this about, we're going to talk about this and work it out before I protest. He said, I'm going to protest. So the, that's what we're having this cast is the perception is this is your only, this is the only quiver or there it is. This is the only arrow in your quiver. It's not. It's the biggest one. It's the most expensive one. It's the most time-consuming one. But there are other ones that could probably get you most of what you need. So, Yep. I, I got to say, from the industry side, that's exactly it. The first thing industry, the only thing you ever hear is, should we protest? No one ever says, should we call and talk about this? Should we try to resolve this? Should we try to get more information? It's just protest, protest, protest. So moving on. So why should the government care about protests? This is obvious. I'll let you take that. <laughs> I get the easy ones. I like it. So, okay, the book answer is FAR Part 33 says you have to. All right, there's the, there's the book answer. But our answer is, and, and I, you're going gonna to love this. I got the Spider-Man quote for you. With great power comes great responsibility. So think about what we're saying here is that without the ability to protest, we're essentially saying that we don't want checks and balances. And I know I'm oversimplifying this, but th- this is essentially the way that the citizenry, the taxpayer, the bidders, they get a voice. They may not get a vote because they may not win the protest, but the point is they get a voice. They get to be heard. So that's why you care is that they, they want to have a voice. And here's – I debate this a lot on LinkedIn, and I s- still think I'm right. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> of course. But, of course. But this whole idea of is the protest process the best way to do this? And I vehemently agree that it is because it's still – for as maddening as this process is, it's still much faster, much more efficient and honestly much cheaper than a standard you know business to business legal battle and here's one example of why that's why that is you get you, the timeliness issue you get 10 days to protest how many days i think the copyright laws if you infringe on somebody's copyright which is the kind of thing that you would sue for in the in the business business world you get like what 20 years that you own the copyright if you register something so 20 years later somebody can sue you right well in this it's 10 days you know, make your decision. Let's move. We got to get stuff done. Yeah. So, and I could give you a hundred examples of why that is. Yeah. And the FAR also requires that the government has to do do their side of it, their job, and make a decision quickly. There, it's it's thirty days, forty five days, something like that. But these these things roll through the government very quickly, and they're, they're they stick to these timelines. It's not like a legal battle that could drag on for years. So I I agree with you, Kevin. This is the place. This is where. Contracting officers and acquisition teams, this is where you're held accountable. If you don't follow the rules that you set up for this acquisition, this is where industry can call you on it and really make a mess of your acquisition. So it, it, it's a good thing that, that the, the threat, in air quotes, of a protest is out there. And the last thing on this list here is that it's the system we have. Just like with this issue of uh, of. The colors of money. It's the system that we have, so let's excel within it. And rather than fight whether or not the policies apply, let's understand how to use them. And that's the point of this podcast is, is not to debate whether or not protests should exist, although I just kind of gave you my examples of why I think they should. But on top of that, just this is how the process works. It's better for everybody to understand it and realize that, for example, it's not the biggest, not the first place you should go. So those are the kind of things that, that I think that everybody – and the government side really needs to understand that I didn't see as clearly because 
I was just living in fear of protests because I saw them as a schedule drain. I saw them as as the only shot that the that as the a paperwork saw. drain, man. I remember making oh, yeah. files and files and copies and copies to send to uh, send to the GAO. Yes. Who, who only has 100 days to respond, which is kind of cool. Speaking of efficiency. Oh, is that the timing? 100 days? It's 100 days, baby. All right. So why should industry care? This is this is kind of what I said before. This is this is your chance. But the the book answer is again, far per far part thirty three says industry can care about this part, and that's a big deal because again they they, they want to be heard, and they want to believe the system isn't rigged. I mean, to be that's really what this comes down to. Because I I I as the offer, I want to be able to you know, pull back the curtain, a la Wizard of Oz, and say, well, what actually happened back here? And did, did I think what was going to happen actually happened? So that's really a lot yeah. of it. Yeah, they want to know that, that proposals were evaluated exactly as the RFP laid it out and that they, if they lost, offers want to know that they lost fair and square per the rules that were laid out. And same, same reason as last time, it's the system we have. So let's excel within it. So rather than thinking of this as a, as a court battle process or thinking of this as, oh, it's our only place to go, it, it, it's one tool that you have. And there are so many other tools before you get to this one. But point is, this is a system we have. So know how it works so that you can behave accordingly within it and, again, make the system better. Yep. So I want to touch on the communication thing again. So contracting it. officers, remember that if you get a protest – it may be, be it may be because you didn't share your the rationale for your decision and you didn't explain well enough that you followed all the rules in your source selection decision the announcement or in the debriefs so industry wants to know again that they lost fair and square and if you don't give them the information they need they may feel that protesting is the only way they're going to find out figure it out so do yourself a favor and help them understand that they lost fair and square and avoid this whole protest thing. And one of the ways to do that is go back and listen to the debriefing podcasts. <laughs> We're talking about give them a full debriefing and they'll know that they lost fair and square and they'll know why they lost and know that it's not worth the battle. So, okay. Anyway. So let's talk real quick about should I protest from, from a, a what is protestable standpoint, not our personal opinion. So should I protest? You as an offer can prepare protest protest if the solicitation doesn't comply with requirements of law or regulation so if the government team didn't comply with section l and m you can protest but you can't protest the opinions of the evaluators so what's that mean so the merit of each evaluated strength or weakness in your proposal how how the the evaluator's opinion of it and how how big of a strength or how how large a weakness that they think it is that's not protestable no matter how stupid you think that evaluator might be it's really hard to protest whether that was a major strength or a minor strength you, you, and you just you just can't get by on those grounds so let me give you an example of what that looks like so we had the equipment i'll i'll leave the the high-end details out for lots of different reasons, but essentially equipment that the, that the users were testing. They were physically testing the equipment. And their opinion simply was one of the couple of, actually several of the evaluators out of, of the folks that we had testing this stuff said, you know what? It's not comfortable. It doesn't work in this condition. It, it's not a good fit for the following circumstances. And those, those following circumstances were, everyone 
knew that we were going to run it through this test, and they didn't like it. Part of the evaluation criteria was, was the subjective part of how much did they like it. And so, for example, at the debriefing, the, we got rather heated discussion over, well, how could you not like that? Everyone else does. And it, that, as much as the, as the offerer was frustrated that their product was not liked by the user, that's not protestable. You can't tell them, well, you know what? I disagree. It should be comfortable. Right. It, it, right. As long as you spelled that out in the RFP that, you know, we're going to have this likability test in there and, and tried to describe what that means a little bit. It's pretty yeah, much bulletproof. The, yeah, the we, people's opinions on you, the you can, industry can't tell the government what they like and don't like. And they, a lot of times that'll be the, the form fit function. And we actually did use the term likability and suitability, that kind of stuff. Yep. And so, yeah, that's if you see those in there, this is it's. Oh, it's totally subjective. We talk about that in one of the previous casts about source selection. It's supposed yep. to be subjective, and you can't protest their opinion. And that's an important differentiator to get. You're absolutely yep. right. Yep. So we've touched on this a little bit already, but let's, let's spell it out specifically. When can I protest? So if you're going to protest the RFP, so if, if this is what the FAR says is based on – if your protest is based on – alleged apparent improprieties in a solicitation, you have to protest before proposals are due. So before bid opening in the sealed bid case or before the closing date for the receipt of proposals. You have to protest at the RFP phase, not after propo- after everybody submitted their proposals. So in all other cases, if you're going to protest, you have to submit your protest no later than 10 days after the basis of the protest is known or should have been known, whichever is earlier. And this is very important because this is this is the term you mentioned before, Kevin, timeliness. If your protest is not timely, the GAO or the agency doesn't have to consider it. So if you don't get it in within 10 days of when you found out whatever bit of information you're protesting, or if you had been carefully reading the RFP when you should have found out about it, it's no excuse to say, oh, I didn't read that part of the RFP. I just read it now, so my 10-day clock starts now. Nope, you had it. You should have known it then. Do you have any examples of that? <laughs> what a setup. <laughs> My very first source selection. Back in the day. Back in the day. So, again, protecting the innocent. We had a situation where the RFP called out a very specific yet obscure requirement. As we went through the source selection, a very enterprising young Air Force officer did some math and figured out that the offer that everyone expected to win did not meet that particular requirement. Just barely didn't make it, but it was clear. The math was solid. Tons of people checked it. They were a little bit short. So what that means is they failed the technical evaluation. They were evaluated red, and you, you can't award to red. So we made, made the award to another offer, which complete surprise to everyone, including the contractor that lost. They submitted a protest and said, that requirement doesn't matter. It's, it's so negligible. That, and they, it, you know, pages and pages and pages and pages of protest describing why we should ignore that particular requirement. It took, I, I just remember, we made boxes and boxes, copies and copies of all of the paperwork to defend this thing. The GAO, this was a protest to the GAO. They got the protest 
And I'm not sure they read past the first page because what they figured out right away was here's the offer protesting something after the announcement of the award and after the debrief. They're protesting something that was in the RFP months before. So timeliness, they they should have known when they read the RFP, if they had read all the requirements and done the math themselves, they should have known that they couldn't meet that requirement. And here's the kicker. If if they would have sent in a question based on during the Q&A portion of the RFP, the government probably would have changed that requirement or reduced it because they didn't it wasn't that important to them either. But it was in there. And we had to follow section L and M. So anyway, the GAO probably didn't maybe they did read the whole rest. I don't know. But they <laughs> immediately came back with their response that the protest isn't timely, so it's denied. So here we are, we awarded to someone that probably wasn't the user's favorite, even though their product worked just fine. But but the underdog won because the person that everyone thought would win missed one little thing and then did not protest in a timely basis. And there, there are two lessons in this. Number one is this is the 80-20 rule on steroids. This is the process. Is that the, the, actual, the, the relationship part was this, this particular company had, to, had a big head start on everybody. That was a relationship, but they had to manage the process. So that's lesson number one. And, and lesson number two is that the cynical side of this is, oh, this is, this is what's wrong with government contracts. It all comes down to one little thing. Flip that from the other side. Look at the underdog. Look at it from the underdog's perspective of I actually got to win something that I was in no way able to win because I did it right. See, everybody, everybody forgets that half of the story. They all want to say, oh, it's you know, the, the, the guy with the advantage got screwed. You know what? The guy with the underdog, he did it right. Yeah, and they wouldn't have the won process. if their product did not meet all the requirements that the user asked for. Exactly. Right? It might not have been exactly what the user was expecting, but it was something that met their requirements. Yeah. I like the way you said that. I'm always about putting a positive spin on things. That's, that's where you learn. You learn from failure by looking at the positive side. Okay, so here's, here's another trick that we should mention about when, when can you protest and what happens. So if you protest in a timely manner, so within 10 days after the contract award or within five days after you get uh, debriefing for that, the contracting officer has to suspend performance or terminate the contract that they awarded if they've already awarded it. So... So this means stop work on the program, and that could be devastating for the, the mission, for the acquisition team. But the alternative is the contracting officer can make a written determination and finding that says it is in the best interests of the United States to continue performance. So this is like an override of the protest. And this, it, it, it's, uh, it's not taken lightly. And it... For example, when I did those, they went to the agency head, or sorry, the, the, well, the, the delegated authority through the, the, the director of contracts for the agency. So right. it's a it's not something that the contracting officer writes. I mean, it's designed to be a, a nuisance, to, to be honest. And it also think about it; it's, it's part of the checks and balances. Is if you really, really, really need this performance, and you can't have you can't have a stop work where the I'll make one up the security services for the White House. Let's say somebody protests that and it drags out and drags out. And it's like, you know what? We, we can't not have somebody here. Although I think that's actually going to be done by non-contractors. But anyway, you get my point. <laughs> Something that I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm winging it here. But the like idea, it. there are things that you specifically can't have a total stop for. Yeah. And I've had several of these. And 
yes, I've had several protests. And I actually, the funny part is, we, we, this is a great example of the things that are happening when you when you flip over the, the protest hourglass that you don't know about. So what happened was, you know, somebody protested, blah, blah, blah. We're going through this whole process we talked about. Well, in order to make sure, and again, this is a special operations command, so they needed it. This is 2008. As you can imagine, we were pretty busy with some things. So they needed to make sure that this, this equipment still got delivered. So I needed to keep the contract moving. So I go through, I don't know, two days or so to go through writing the actual override, getting it approved, all the staffing, all the documentation that comes with that. And in the end, just like the one you talked about, the protest was dismissed, ended up not being needed. But the point is, think about it. In the middle of all that, I could have used those two, I and the contract specialist who was helping me, could have used those two days to do a whole lot of other things. So not complaining about the work that it takes, just understand. This is why the FAR 33103 says, please try and talk it out first. Because this, this ripple effect of things that are happening, that don't even, I mean, that ended up not being used. So it got shelved, but it, it ate up, you know, what's probably 16 hours of labor. So, you know, it's a, it's a, how do I say this nicely? It's a spider web <laughs> that you're creating. I'll say it that way. <laughs> that, you know, the bigger that spider web gets, the more things it, it slows down. So right. just to understand that. All right. What happens if I win my protest? So first, win or lose, not really the right terms. Technically, a protest is sustained or denied or dismissed, but it's not won or lost. But that's not the way industry looks at it. We always look at it as did we win, did we lose. So if the protest is sustained, here's the trick. You don't actually get the award just because you protested. You don't automatically win the competition. What you get is the government team is going to take a look at the source selection again. And there's a whole list of, of remedies here at, at this, this stage where they might, the GAO or the, the decision maker, the contracting officer, may decide that proposals need to be reevaluated because you have a valid point about how something was evaluated. It may mean that everybody needs to go back and submit revised proposals because there's something that needs to be clarified and everybody needs another chance to, 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 to propose against it. And it may also mean that the government team has to start over, that they screwed this whole thing up Ooh. enough. They got to start all over again. And never, never actually had that one. Pain. <laughs> that, that's, but it could. Okay. But again, that, that doesn't mean that you won the contract. Uh, it also may take a corrective action and they'll redo part of the process, which for example, that could mean they let, okay, you, you protester, we're going to let you into competitive range now. Again, that's not how you win the contract. They may cancel the requirement, and, <laughs> and that, that happens. And again, and you could protest that too if you want. But again, we're getting down to a black hole here. They also could, they could also honestly restructure part of any, any part of it and just have you resubmit proposals. There's all kinds of different things they can do. But none of these guarantee you're going to get the contract. Right. And, and if it goes totally wrong, you may protest the award to one competitor the government say may say you're right and reevaluate proposals and then award to another competitor so you may have just spent money to get the contract awarded to somebody else let's just say you can tell from the debriefing that you're number five out of out of 15 bidders which is a huge amount but you get my point well for you to protest you, you got to realize okay for me to win i gotta get past four people <laughs> right right yeah, that's not gonna be very likely okay so yeah, that's a, that's a footstopper, is understand what you're going to get from this. Yep. So another thing to remember is if you, the protester, 
have intentionally, if you're found to have intentionally or negligently misstated, misrepresented, or miscertified your protest, the government can actually look to get money back from you. They seek reimbursement for the protest costs. And they can also debar you if it's bad enough. So so you can't go about this thing and, and try to trick the government into it. And this goes back to that's why it's not the only arrow in your quiver. You have if you build up to this and feel like it's your only option, realize it's a it's kind of it's kind of like you went nuclear. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a big deal, and it and it creates a whole lot of set of issues. And the other way of thinking about this is that you may get the protest sustained, but you in, in the in the big picture, you may be winning the battle but losing the war. And I don't. I'm not saying that this is a war, but you get the idea. Is that it's a, it's a it could be a moral victory that doesn't really get you a whole lot. Right. So that's a great segue to should I protest? Right. The the law of unintended consequences here. You may win the protest, but but what happens? And that that what happens after that? That's a big part of my my opinion. So should I protest? My my answer in almost every single case is is no, unless there is an egregious violation of the RFP and that you're sure that you're number two and that you're going to win if the process is sustained, then, then you might. So don't forget that people are people. A, a protest can't officially, again with the air quotes, be held against you, but it will be remembered. The, the acquisition team are people, and they're, they can hold grudges and... and some companies have reputations for protesting everything. They remember that. So another way to look at it is through this process, the government has evaluated all the proposals, and they've picked who they want to work with. And it's, it's not you. So even if on technical grounds you can get your protest sustained and get the program, do you really want to start a program relationship knowing that you're, the customer – didn't want you because that leads to all kinds of potential future problems where they're just gruntled that they have to work with you. Do you want to start a program that way? Is it worth it or is it best to just move on and try for the next? And this goes to the the whole targeting conversation is that with the idea of number one, if you're in your weight class, meaning that you didn't, you didn't invest so much in this proposal that you have to win it or you're going to go out of business which that that's, means you were out of your weight class, which is a risk. And if you understand the idea of abundance, then there are, no, there are other things to chase. In fact, in fact, you should be chasing multiple things, right? So for, for you to just you know, lock in the emotional part of this and say, well, I have to win this thing and I'm going to fight until I do so that this customer will be forced to go with me. Wow, that sounds like a miserable time. So, all right, so my answer so that, you know, the, but should I protest? And my answer, it's a little bit different than yours, and it's a maybe. So should I ever protest? Maybe. And however, there's, a, as you can imagine, I got a couple caveats to this. If, and only if, you answer these five questions. So first question is, you know what it will get you. What will this, pro, what is it, what is the protest going to get you? If it's just going to get you a lot of work and it's just going to get the other company a, a different competitor, the, the win, or if it's going to get you information, wh- wh- why are you doing it? What do you want to get out of it? Answer that question first. Second question, is the investment worthwhile for your company? Okay, not, not for 
the, the, the big picture, not because it's a good emotional win, all that kind of stuff, but is the investment in time and not, okay, there's the lawyer part of it, but there's the time. There's the, spend, the time you're going to spend talking about it, the strategy to it, the, the, the writing up your letters, all that, all that time that you as the company leadership or as the contracts manager are going to spend on it. Is it worth that investment? And number three, after you checked your emotion and got over the fact that you lost, because I've, I've been in this spot as, you know, as, as helping some of our clients, it's losing sucks. <laughs> it does. I mean, we're competitive people. It's, that's, that's capitalism, right? So you got to get past that emotion part and then and still decide, okay, even a- after I've gotten away from the frustration of losing, do I still want to protest? And then question number four, think about the government team. And did they really, really do this wrong? Really? And that's, that's, a, that's a hard question to ask because, if you think, again, people, like you said, people are people. And do you really think that they went out of their way to screw this thing up? Because what you may reveal through the protest is that, yeah, they didn't explain it well, but they meant to do it right. And it turns out that these six documents over here, which you didn't see in the debriefing, actually explain everything perfectly. So assume, if, unless you assume that they really don't know what they're doing, which I got to say, <laughs> it's, that's, a, that's a big assumption, then okay, fine, go ahead and protest. And then the last part here, and then question number five, after all that, do you still want to win this work? Do you still want to work with this, with this agency? After all that, if you, you think that they don't know what they're doing, you think that they actually really didn't want you to win, you know that they that they're, didn't want you, do, do you still want to be there? It, there are circumstances where this may, may, those may all be yeses. And if they are, okay, then go ahead and protest. Yeah, so we're I coming realize. off as very, very anti-protest here. As we should. Yeah, so... <laughs> Protest is an it's an important part of the process it, to hold the government accountable. We have both, as contracting officers, been through being protested, having an award that that we that we created be protested. We've also been on the other side in the industry where having to decide whether to protest or not is whether it's the right thing to do. And I don't want to say that I would never protest anything. But I would want to look at all of the points that you just went through before I protested because a, a valid protest strategy, and I think we've both either seen this or suspected this, if you're the incumbent on a contract, like say a services contract, and by submitting a protest, you know that they need to continue those services and they're going to extend your contract as the incumbent for a month, two months, three months, and continue, you get to continue working while that protest is settled. Well, then you could submit a pretty frivolous protest for not very much money at all and get three months more revenue out of it. And there's a lot of suspicion on the government side that that's why some protests are submitted. And that is extremely bad form. And that's one thing that sours the government. So if you want more on protests, I mean, like, like everything else we do, we could, we could make this another you know, six-hour cast. Uh, let us know, and we'll build more content based on what you're asking for, uh, particularly in, in the Skyway Connection community. That's this, where we kind of beef up this content for you and, and maybe do some additional podcasts. Yeah, so tell us if we've, if we've left a piece out or left some questions unanswered. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in here. We get, we've gotten a few questions on protests, and, and we tried to get as much as we could into a, well, relatively short podcast. 
So send us, continue to send us your topics. Uh, go to the contractingofficerpodcast.com and just hit contact and email us your stuff. There's also a form in there you can submit a topic. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And then, of course, my personal favorite, please write us a review on iTunes. That's how people find us. And we're giving away this information for free, so please help them find us. <laughs> right. Remember that you can always sign up for, uh, for webinars that, that go deeper into this content. You can do that at contractingofficerpodcast.com or you can join the Skyway Connection community at skywayacquisition.com slash connect. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. Thanks. Have a good day. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, go to contractingofficerpodcast.com, hit the contact button, and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. <laughs>